I want you to imagine for a moment that you're going to run a race, any race, a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, a full marathon, an ultra marathon, even an Ironman for that matter. It doesn't matter the type of race that you're going to run. I just want you to think that you have signed up for a race. And the question is, what are you going to do next? Are you just going to put your shoes on, show up, start running, or are you going to start your race with a training plan, with a strategy to ensure that you're fully prepared to run both physically, but even more so mentally, ensuring that you just don't finish the race, but you run the best race that you possibly can. Now, while you might not be lacing up your shoes anytime soon to go and run a race or a marathon or an ultra for that matter, I bet you're running a race right now. I bet you're running a marathon right now when it comes to leveling up the loans and deposits at your bank, at your credit, or your fintech. The question is, did you just start running, putting the tactics before the strategy? Even more so, when was the last time that you took a break to pause, to review, to reflect on your strategy, to make sure that you're still running in the right direction, especially as consumer behaviors, technology, the competitive landscape continues to evolve at an exponential pace. If you're not really sure, or it's been a while, let's find out what you can do next to keep moving forward, to keep running a good race on today's episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Greetings and hello, my name is James Robert Lay, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and joining me for today's conversation is Bryn Conway. Bryn is the principal at BC Consulting, and today we're going to talk through some of the biggest growth opportunities that she sees for financial brands who are running a race, running a good race to level up their loans and deposits, especially in a, an environment that is different than than what many are used to. We're also going to explore one specific opportunity that C is personally passionate about that I see would create value for every single financial brand leader who is watching or listening to this podcast. Welcome to the show, Bren. It is great to share time with you today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Good to be here. Absolutely. And before we get into talking some of the biggest growth strategies that you see for financial brands right now, what is good in your world, right? Personally, professionally, it's your pick to get started on a, on a positive note. <laughs> well, as we were talking about before, so I'm, I'm excited to get to talk a little bit uh, professionally this year about Passion Project, um, which is how can we better women's financial lives? So working in the financial services industry for more than 20 years, uh, I'm really excited to, to give a little bit of a, a mouthpiece to that issue and to get to speak about that professionally. And and personally, it's, uh, you know, hope springs eternal. It's the it's time to start training for your spring races. So uh, the, the running calendar is coming into play actually starting today. Well, when you're talking about both subjects, you're talking uh, financial well-being, which is a common theme on this topic, but more specifically for women. Um, I want to dig into that. But I also want to start on a personal passion project for me, too, uh, which is running. Um, having, you know, run multiple marathons, half marathons, uh, my next big mountain to climb, and uh, it's getting closer. It's going to be a half Ironman. 
Uh, I'm not. Oh, nice. I'm not there yet. Now, my sister-in-law, she has done multiple half Ironman competitions. Um, she is really an inspiration on that for me. All I can say is I've just run 26.2 miles. Now, my brother-in-law, he's done multiple full uh, Ironman competitions, so he's in a next level. And I'm like, I just I don't want to go there. Let me just start off with the half. Um, but but to your point, you're, you're training again, and when you think about growth growth is a journey growth is like running a marathon and so i want to start off by going all the way back to the origin story of your growth journey when you were a marketing associate at a credit union take us all the way back to then and bring us forward now what have been the big lessons that you've learned along that journey of growth for yourself well, I, I think the first thing that I can say is how I, I came to be a marketing associate at a credit union is probably one of my favorite stories that talks about the authenticity and the cooperation and the collaboration of the industry. So I was, both my parents were teachers, so I was born a credit union kid. They were members of the local teachers credit union. I've had an account since I was, you know, two years old, I've always been a credit union member. And I was working um, for a local nonprofit after I graduated from college. And one of my board members also happened to be on the board of the credit union. And he said, you know, we have an opportunity. We're expanding. We're growing. Um, we'd like to have you, you be part of it. And so, you know, he said, I think you should interview you. Go in. And again, I've been a credit union member for years, but I'd never worked for a credit union. And I started to work for this credit union. And the rest is history. It, it is a it's a fantastic industry. And I, I think that there's just so much potential. Um, it, it's been a wonderful journey. And I, you know, I never looked back. So it's been wonderful. When you think about that journey that you've been on, what have been the big lessons that you've gained along as you've put the miles on that <laughs> could help others who are running a similar race, but they might be at a different point, how can you take what you've learned to inspire them and to guide them? Particularly, I want to focus, say, through the lens of marketing and growth. Mm -hmm. what yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good question. I would say I, I have learned a lot in, in my credit union journey and my marketing journey, but I think it really all starts with strategy and stick to of this. So when we're talking about running, you know, you set the you set the goal that I'm going to run this certain race and you go out and you plan and you train. And things might happen along the way. You might get sore, you might get sick, you might, you know, have to miss a couple of runs because of work, but the whole point is is that the goal and the purpose stays constant that you want to achieve that goal. And so the strategy is, you know, one of the famous quotes about strategy is the idea that strategy is really deciding what not to do. Yeah. And I think that that's probably one of the most important lessons I've ever learned in this journey is that it's deciding what not to do is we really can't be all things to all people, especially when we're trying to market effectively. There has to be an emotional connection to your organization, to your mission, to your brand. And so hopefully my eighth grade grammar teacher, Ms. George, will forgive me, but I like to say, if you're, um, if you're all things to all people, you end up being nothing to nobody. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really the lesson when it comes to 
understanding strategy is that we have to decide what not to do. Does that decision help or detract from our strategic plan? Does that um, tactic that we wanna do, does that certain maneuver that we wanna make, does that take away from the ultimate goal and the core purpose of our organization? We need to understand, are we staying the course and does it make sense to the strategy that we as an organization have laid out? Let's dive deeper into that because on your website and even in on the wall behind you, if, if one is watching this, there are three words that popped out to me, strategies beyond creative. What, what does that mean? And I'm asking because I, I see a lot of financial brands over index on the quote unquote, the creative side of things, when in fact they should be doubling down on strategic thinking first and foremost. Yep. And I I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that, I think that that's what we really try to talk about at, at my agency is that, you know, there are a lot of great creative marketing agencies in the world. And there are a lot of great creative marketing professionals in the world. But the idea is, is that we really do have to go that extra mile and make sure that we're staying true to that core purpose and to the strategies that we've set in place. You know, it is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And so the idea is, is that, yes, we wanna be creative in our marketing. Yes, we wanna get people to connect to it, but does that ultimately go back to the strategies that we want to, and the objectives we wanna achieve in our organizations? And I think most importantly, does it actually allow us to stay true to our mission and our vision and our values? And so we can market as a mission-based organization. We can market with those emotional um, feelings around your brand and that connection. That's so important. That's the strategic side of it. Uh, It is not about price. It is about making that emotional connection. And if we really wanna grow, the members that are gonna grow and stick with you, I mentioned I've been a credit union member since I was two years old. Those are the members that have a connection to your brand, your organization, and how you do business. That's strategies beyond creative. I I want to pause and address this. And, and this is something that I touched on in my book, Banking on Digital Growth. You're leaning into this emotive side of marketing. I'll take it even further, leaning into the emotive side of money. <laughs> yeah. Financial brand leaders, though, view the world maybe from a different lens inherently. Uh, they left brain logical, analytical. Sometimes the emotive piece of this is different for them than it is for those that they're looking to create value for, that they're looking to help. How do we effectively navigate the conversation to bridge the logical mind with the emotive heart because that is such a key piece of making a connection through marketing which the way i look at marketing if we were to distill it down to one word it's just influence and the way that we influence is through communication and the root of communication is listening And through our communication, we can make positive deposits into the trust fund of people that sits between their ears. 
So it goes far beyond just promoting the same great rates and amazing service and lookalike laundry list of product features. Yep, absolutely. But how do we navigate that discussion first and foremost internally when there might be financial brand leaders who view the world one way, which is nothing wrong. It's just, it's all a matter of perspective. It is. But the way, the way they view the world is not exactly how people shop and buy financial products on the quote unquote, the outside. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I think if you think about it and while you were talking, one of the things that uh, I was thinking about was uh, I think it's really important for us to understand that oftentimes we listen to respond And what we need to do as marketers and leaders is we need to listen to understand. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times we'll think, we'll say to ourselves, well, you know, we have the best rate on a a car loan or a certificate. Um, And so that's what's, that's really what's going to, to make us grow. And it's quite possible that that's the case. But what happens when you're no longer the right leader? If there isn't an emotional connection between your organization and that member, the likelihood is that they will go to the next place that has the best right again, as they did when they came to you. So if we're really looking to grow, not just for growth's sake, but we're looking to grow strategically, then we need to make that emotional connection when it comes to our brand and our storytelling. We need to understand that people are buying the car because they want to buy a convertible and drive down the Pacific Coast Highway because it's a dream that they've had since they were 10 or 15. It's nice if it's well-priced and competitively priced, but if you can understand what are the wants and needs going behind those financial decisions, that's where you can win the hearts and the minds of the member. And that becomes a relationship that is sustainable and leads to sustainable strategic growth for your organization. I appreciate your thought on the opportunities that are rooted in listening to understand versus listening to respond. When I, when I think about the challenge here for some organizations, It's that there are marketers who feel that they're too busy to listen. They're too busy to think critically, to think strategically. And so as a result, they end up doing the exact same thing over and over and over again based upon previous experience. Mm -hmm. And so the future becomes the predictable past based upon the thought and the decisions that they're making in the present moment. What are some of the challenges that you're seeing for financial brands that might be limiting their future growth potential because of the way that they view the world, frame the world around them per previous Mm, experience? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I, I think, again, the challenge goes back to especially right now in the last two years, I mean, this is just an absolutely new environment for financial service marketing, right? For financial brands in terms of marketing, Um, you know, the most inflation that we've seen in generations, everything costs so much. Um, We're we're aggressively marketing deposit products where we really haven't done that in the last 20 years. Um, You know, but I think that where you get caught up 
in this is that what we have to remember is it is about that connection, about the member or the customer experience. How do they how do they interact with your brand? Um, how is the experience that you're providing to them? Because we know, and research tells us over and over again, people are willing to pay more for an exceptional experience. And if you do a little bit of thinking on that in your brain, you realize that that's probably true for you too. And you remember the experiences that were phenomenal and you remember the experiences that were extremely negative. And most of the time, if they were extremely negative, what research also tells us is that people will just back away from the brands. I call it the quiet quitting <laughs> of your brand because you provided a terrible experience. You will never know that it was a terrible experience because that person will just move on. And I think the thing that I'm seeing as of late, as competition has heated up and we're all chasing those deposits, we're trying to keep our liquidity numbers up, we're, 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 we're trying to position ourselves well, is that what we have to understand is that um, we do still need to nurture the relationship and the wants and needs that are behind that and the experience that we're providing. It's not just about getting the certificates today. How are we going to frame the relationship and the experience for this member? today, tomorrow, and for the rest of their financial life. Experiences, I look at and often think about them as well-defined systems and processes mm -hmm. that have been strategically thought out, first and foremost, right. practically applied second, but then for many financial brands, the opportunity is to continuously optimize those experiences over time based upon listening to understand to to use your thought there and when you think about the commoditization of financial services particularly in a market like we're in right now where deposits are the quote-unquote thing rethinking product mix rethinking go-to-market strategy and leveling up beyond just offering checking, savings, loans, deposits, something that we've had plenty of conversations on this podcast and will continue to do so because I wrote about this in Banking on Digital Growth. I've been thinking about this probably since 2017, 2018. The need for financial coaching as a way to level up the financial brand experience because the experience Back to your point, it's going to either attract and retain or it's going to repel and people will quiet quit. They yeah. still might have the account, but they're not utilizing it. Yep. You have this passion project that you mentioned before, financial wellness, financial empowerment for women, financial confidence for women. Mm -hmm. What's the opportunity there for financial brands to lean into this to help women increase their financial confidence? Why is this important? I really appreciate you you asking me about it. And it is a passion project. And I think it's one of those things that what we have to realize is that women make so many of the financial decisions in the household. Um, if not, the, they make the majority of them. And some, some research will tell you it's between 80 and 90% of it. Um, what I think what we find also is that women 
aren't exactly sure the questions to ask. And there is a little bit of insecurity and a lack of confidence when it comes to managing the finances. It's part of something that they need to do, but women aren't always confident to ask that question. And, you know, we're talking before the podcast um, about sometimes that's like, well, shouldn't I already know the answer to that question? And I think, you know, uh, to kind of dovetail on the experience side of this, so not only for women, but a lot of credit union women employees or employees in, in credit unions are women, the majority of them are, as a matter of fact. Um, but thinking about this from an experience and empowerment and bettering financial lives is that um, your employee experience should mirror, if not be better, than your member experience. Because the people providing the experience are your employees. So how do we level that up? Well, what we do is we make sure that the financial education that we provide for our members is available for our employees as well. Can we make it so that there's a safe space inside our financial brands and our financial organizations to, for employees to ask questions, to tell us what's wrong with the products and services, how they are or aren't meeting the needs of our members? We would ask those questions of our members, but we would, but we very rarely ask those questions of our employees. And they are the most powerful and knowledgeable part of our experience, right? And so I think that, that that's a huge piece of it when it comes to it. And, and when it comes to bettering financial women's financial lives, it's understanding that there are a series of gaps in women's financial lives. And it starts with our pay gap, which leads to our advancement and opportunity gap, which leads to a retirement and, and wealth gap. So what can we do as individuals and as financial brands and service providers to Provide coaching in your in your um, terminology, in your thinking, coaching, understanding, um, mentoring, so that women have the confidence to make prudent financial decisions that can help them live stronger financial lives. And I think as an industry, especially in the credit union space, we are uniquely positioned to do that. I want to just affirm a thought you shared that this transformational journey, this road to financial confidence, it has to begin within. It has to start with the quote unquote, the self. And what I mean by that, and we've talked about this on the podcast, people that work within financial services, women that work within financial services, I, I, there could be an imposter syndrome to a degree. Like I work at a credit union, but I struggle with money and finances myself. Right. It creates a bit of conflict, if you will. And so mm -hmm. to your point, to resolve that conflict by looking first and foremost within, if we increase the financial confidence of our team internally, then the result of that is to continue to increase the financial confidence of our members in our communities externally yep. and to create this place this judgment-free zone that hey we are all on this journey together and it's interesting because we've facilitated conversations through some of the digital growth work that we've been doing just kind of scratching and exploring the surface is there an appetite for this and when you can get financial brand leaders 
in we'll just call them zoom breakout rooms and you're like listen and i'm going to use the term that audrey shared recently on a podcast where she was sharing her financial story listen we're going to get financially naked okay we're, we're just going to take it all off <laughs> <Let's do> it. <laughs> and we have watched the walls come down we have observed people connect at a much deeper level through honest dialogue and discussion. And when we come back and we're like, listen, what is shared in that small group? It's like Vegas. It's just supposed to stay there. We're not going to come back and we're not going to bring this public. So there's trust that's involved with this. But when we come back to the larger group, I just simply ask, how do you feel? And the majority of the time the response is, understood and more importantly i'm not alone i was watching a video on big think the youtube channel and it really got me thinking about because what they were talking about is our our brains the hardware if you will if our brain is the hardware and our mind is the software our brains are in this like black box it's never exposed. So we walk around literally kind of encapsulated. And the only way that we can make connections to come out of ourselves is through conversation. It's through dialogue. It's through discussion. It's through discourse. What's the opportunity here for credit unions to help begin to facilitate this? How, how can this be done practically? Starting first and foremost, back to your point, starting within. What can we do? Yeah, I think I think we really can start... Most credit unions have a component or, or a desire to have a component to share forms of financial education. And we as a movement, that is definitely something that we, we embrace and we understand the value of. And I think sometimes just, you know, and you can liken this back to experience. I think sometimes people think to provide an exceptional member experience, you have to be a really large organization um, or they, they feel overwhelmed because, you know, well, we're not. We're not the Amazons or the Ritz-Carltons of the world. So how can you expect it to, to provide an exceptional experience? And I will tell you that I have seen a lot of credit unions be able to provide exceptional experience by just doing little things, making little tweaks to how they think about providing the experience um, that can make that emotional connection and allow for that, that experience to be better. But it's not only the idea with the experience. I mean, going back to bettering women's financial lives and creating the safe space for everyone to have a conversation around finances is, you know, money is taboo. It is. To talk about money is taboo. We are taught that from a very young age. Yeah. We do not ask how much that costs. We don't ask how much somebody makes. We don't talk about it. And what we do there is we set up those boundaries around the conversation that says that somehow you're just supposed to, I don't know, learn this by osmosis. <laughs> like we graduate from high school and got to college and we're just supposed to have gained this knowledge somewhere in the world. You know, the opportunity is for us to create that space. Ask the, the conversation of your employees. What do you not understand? What can we help you with? Would it be valuable for this? But I think also, and then marrying the points of experience and financial wellness again, the idea is, is that if we're going to ask the questions and create the forum, if we get asked questions and we get answers to it, 
we need to create a space and a time to follow up. This is the worst thing that we can possibly do for our employees when we're speaking for anything, when it comes to wellness or our members. If you're going to ask for the feedback and they actually give it to you, you had better do something with it. And I think that that's the most important thing is it's not just to start the conversation when it comes to wellness. It is to commit to the fact that it will be open and we will respond and there are no wrong questions. There are no wrong answers. This is about discovery and learning. And how we do that is to open up, follow up, and continually allow for the movement forward of that conversation. Because people, just like financial wellness is a spectrum, you know, today you might be super fit financially, but maybe you weren't five years ago. And maybe five years from now, something happens and you won't be again. Yeah. The idea is, is that you need to be, be able to come in and out of this and we need to meet people where they are on this journey. And we need to make sure that we continue the conversation and that we start to talk about different ways to frame it. I mean, I started this answer by saying money's taboo. So by talking about it, how do we then say, well, how can we frame it so it's okay to ask a question about, well, what should I do if I have credit card debt? Well, that might be embarrassing that I have it, but man, it's going to be so much worse if I don't ask the question about how to resolve it rather than, you know, letting it continue. So I think it's, it's this idea of how do we reframe those judgments, those taboos around money so that the conversation can continue and solutions and strategies can be found. A couple of things that I'm hearing from you this comes back to your point before listen to understand meet people where they're at i mean this is the fifth habit of uh out of the seven habits of highly effective people the fifth habit is to seek first to understand then be understood um <laughs> practically speaking too i i just i'll i'll share a personal anecdote on this you know i think about my kids and my experience my relationship with money growing up that's where a lot of this begins. It begins in Absolutely. family of origin, environment. I mean, you know, and, and when you think about financial habits, habits are the actions that we repeat, which are informed by our thoughts, influenced or in, informed by our, our, our feelings, influenced by our thoughts that are deeply rooted within our belief systems and structures. So I'm trying to create, take the awareness that I have of just my own personal experience and give my kids level that up, level up what I know. And so, you know, we have a, a budgeting app and the other day my son popped over my shoulder and he saw me and working on it. He goes, dad, I had no idea we spent that much money on groceries. <laughs> and it's like, I like what well, you do now. And so it's just creating his awareness of like, and, and the other day, even my daughter, she goes, does a budget mean that we can't afford things? And so it's just to, to be more transparent Correct. with money, with my own Correct. children, the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, a, a budget is to make sure that we can plan accordingly for future growth as a family. Right. 
And it just reframed this whole contextual experience for her. And I don't think that would have ever happened first and foremost, not just not having the podcast. Cause like being able to learn from leaders like you and hear back and then hear stories like Audrey's and, and be able to integrate that into my own personal narrative, it really is a gift. So it's my hope that those who are watching and listening to our conversation today can take back and apply some of this thinking. And as we start to wrap up, what, what would your recommendation be so that they can start integrating and uncovering new growth opportunities that might not be obvious at first, but once you start to, let's say, as a kid, kind of like you pick the rock up and you look underneath, you're like, oh, it's completely obvious. How can we begin to surface those growth opportunities, practically speaking? What is one thing that someone who is watching or listening can do starting today? So I think when, you, when you're thinking about growth, again, we, we, we want to frame it in the idea that we want to grow strategically. We want to grow within our mission and our vision and our values. And that is sustainable growth. So if we define it like that, we all have an understanding that that's how we want to grow. That's the first step. Then the second part, I think, is to look at your experience and say, how are we taking care of our members today? How are we taking care of our employees today? And what are the, the small tweaks that we can do? I mean, one of the things that you've talked about on several of your other podcasts is, you know, awareness and assessment. And I think that's a huge piece is to take a look at the experience that we're providing to our members and to our employees and understand what is the journey? What are the pain points? And I will be, again, I go back to the fact that you do not have to have a huge budget or unlimited resources to impact change on your experience. Simply sometimes sitting down with your employees and saying, hey, so how does it work to do this? Or going through the process yourself as a leader where maybe you don't touch that every day. Um, A number of years ago, I had a CEO who hadn't bought a car for a number of years. And she was like, oh, I think I want to understand the experience at my credit union. So she went through the process and she came back to me and called me on Monday morning and said, oh, boy, we've got work to do. She had no idea. And so that's a huge part of it is doing the assessment. And then you can do little things to tweak it. Again, I I would just say, think about what are the small improvements that can have a big impact. And let me just give an example. um, So I think that there's a little bit more of a tangible takeaway. So I um, am a member of a number of credit unions and um, I happened to be uh, logging into a credit union's uh, mobile app. And I thought to myself, okay, I was actually logging in to go make a payment on my rewards visa card. So I log into the app and what do I get served up? An ad for the credit union's (laughs) rewards visa card. So the first thing that that says to me is that obviously we don't have data to update and personalize the offers. So that's a little frustrating. Now, you, not everyone's going to have the resources to go ahead and implement that personalized offers. But what is the tactic that we can do to make that experience a little bit more reasonable for me as the person who's logging in to make the payment on the product I already have? Um, what we can do is we can simply say, we are just going to put specials or promotions or you know not product-specific things um, into that, that app 
um, and use it in that way so that we uh, actually are still providing a good, well-thought-out experience, but we didn't have to implement a huge new software package. So it's little things that we can do, but if we don't take the time to look at what that experience is, we cannot make that those changes. We cannot do the incremental changes that can lead to long-term growth. Because the fact of the matter is, is the more satisfied customers and members are with your experience, the more products and services they will use for you, the less price sensitive they are, and the deeper their relationship will be. And finally, the more likely they are to refer. So that's kind of your growth strategies in a nutshell right there. And it all goes back to experience. It, it really does. And I, I appreciate your practical perspective to wrap up that look for the micro moments that matter most. Yeah. that can have the greatest impact going forward into the future. And it doesn't have to quote unquote cost a lot. In fact, it's often the little things that can create the biggest wins because they're low hanging fruit. Be curious, just be curious into yes. be where, curious. Yep. where can we find these opportunities? Brent, I want to thank you for sharing your perspective, your story, your journey. Uh, it has been a marathon. You've taken this, you've, you've run step by step. Um, if someone wants to run alongside you uh, and join <laughs> you on this journey, what's the best for them to reach out, connect, say hello to you? Yeah, the easiest thing is just let's connect on LinkedIn and um, or you can visit the website, which is strategiesbeyondcreative.com. Connect with Bryn, learn with Bryn, grow with Bryn. Bryn, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth Podcast. This has been a lot of fun today. Thank you. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, be the light. <laughs>